Welcome to our next episode on Diologi Patristica, the podcast of the Center for Ancient Christian Studies. So in this episode, Coleman Ford and myself, Sean Wilhite, sit down with Professor Tony Burke of York University in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, uh, to discuss some of his interests in biblical studies and the Christian Apocrypha. We hope you enjoy this discussion. Uh, we're currently at the SBL National Meeting in Atlanta, Georgia, 2015, and our guest today is Dr. Tony Burke. And Dr. Burke is currently Associate Professor in the Department of Humanities, uh, Faculty of the Liberal and Professional Studies at York University. Uh, Dr. Burke's research interests extend from uh, early Christianity, early Christian gospel literature, also early Syrian Christianity, and New Testament Apocrypha. He's authored and edited a number of books and journal articles in the field of early Christianity. Uh, he also leads Apocryphicity, a website devoted to the study of New Testament Apocrypha, and is also the president of the newly formed North American Association for the Study of Christian Apocryphal Literature. Dr. Burke, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, if, if we can, maybe just ask a personal question, really why and how did you get interested in early Christianity, and maybe even more specifically some of your, your closer discipline of the New Testament Apocrypha? Okay. Um, I come from a Catholic background. Um, Though we were kind of small C Catholics, not particularly devout, but uh, occasionally we'd go to church or occasionally try to sneak out of going to church. <laughs> um, and uh, my father, well, when I was uh, in my early teens, my father had an interest in apocalyptic literature. Uh, I think he worked with a Jehovah's Witness person who kept trying to get him to read the Watchtower. And he would bring it home, and he had talked about this apocalyptic stuff because of the, it's the nature of the it was the Cold War at the time, and so I had this somewhat of a bit of an anxiety about apocalyptic, and so when I went to university, um, I began in, in English literature, and I wanted to flesh out my degree with with another major, and I thought, well, I'll take biblical studies material because this um, understanding that literature is really good for understanding English literature, and first course I took was uh, on apocalypticism. And when this, the, the biblical studies methodology opened up uh, my eyes to this broad amount of literature which goes beyond um, the canonical. So we looked at a broad range of apocalyptic literature. And when you start to see that, say, the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel um, repurposes a, a, a certain number of motifs, it kind of uh, takes away some of the... The, the, the mystery and anxiety about the text. Hmm. So it started a process of me becoming um, more secular-minded, I suppose. Um, but introducing me to this, beginning of an introducing, sorry, beginning of the introduction to me of uh, non-canonical literature, which I hmm. found, found really fascinating. And, and, you know, Catholic background, um, we don't talk a lot about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, hmm. So at first I had this sense of, um, almost a sense of betrayal, like why hmm. don't, doesn't the church talk about this material? Hmm. And I also had an interest in in censorship uh, when I was in, in university. I worked for the student newspaper, so that kind of discussion was in the air a lot. So I felt like to combat the censorship of the church, I should read more and more of this material. Um, I've since had more of a level head about it. <laughs> I understand canon process and selection and trying to and identity, all that other stuff. But I still really like reading the, uh, the non-canonical material more than canonical. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's fascinating, and maybe maybe just kind of stemming off that, can you define for us what is uh, New Testament apocrypha 
and, and maybe its function or kind of how it's being used within early Christianity? Uh, I, I define it as um, uh, texts featuring biblical characters. Um, so stories about Jesus, the apostles, his family, uh, in the same basic style, uh, narrative style as what we see in the canon, but are not in the canon. Um, we are in the field where broadening Christian apocrypha to also include um, uh, texts about Old Testament figures, but written by Christians. So it would be Christian Old Testament pseudepigrapha. So that's included in there as well. But I don't, I don't look very much at that material as much as I look at the the, the material with, with Christian characters in it. But as, when it comes to time period, we're also broadening the span of time we look at this material, because it, it wasn't just composed in antiquity. Um, the Apocrypha collections tend to focus on the first few centuries, first three centuries or so, but the production of this material kept going going after that. So, and even to the modern period, there are modern, modern apocryphal texts in the 19th century and 20th century. Um, so looking at this phenomenon uh, as something that's gone throughout Christian history, uh, and, for the, and looking at uh, the very, various reasons why people would create apocryphal texts, mm. and even have people, apocryphal texts were created by orthodox writers too, mm. um, so they're not always the writings of heretics. Mm. Orthodox writers will create, say, a life of John the Baptist uh, to honor John the Baptist and also to institute certain fest, feast days. Mm. And this is the, what we call the, the invention of Christianity, the formation of Christianity. And so they would write these texts in order to justify these these new developments in in the growth of the church, feast days, uh, justifications for relics, uh, things like that. So it's it's an interesting phenomenon that's not just uh, something that happens in antiquity. It's it's, it's something that continues to unfold. Hmm. I know it's great. It's great. Well, um, you know, Dr. Burke, we'd love to hear um, both you know your current works, you know what you've worked on previously, and. Um, that have uh, recently been released, and then also we want to talk, talk about some things that you maybe are working on in so your future work. So, you know, just think, we'd love to hear, you know, share with us the story behind Forbidden Text on the Western Frontier. Tell us you know, how that came about, some things that motivated you towards that that text. And Sure. Um, well, the Forbidden Text on the Western Frontier is, a, is an essay collection that is the uh, proceedings of the 2013 York Christian Apocrypha Symposium, and this is something I began at York in 2011. And the idea of it was to get North American scholars of Christian Apocrypha together to uh, share ideas, collaborate, um, work on a particular topic. And the first one we did in 2011 was on Secret Mark, because it is a very much a, a North American preoccupation, this text, and most of the people working on it are North American scholars. Um, so we did a one-day event on that, and then we published those papers. So the next, the, the one that was just released uh, seven months ago was for the 2013 event, and that was a larger event, and the idea of that was to do a kind of a state-of-the-art of Christian apocryphal studies in North America. So we had more people come, um, we looked at a variety of things that are of interest to, to North American scholars, like uh, historical Jesus and the Apocrypha. Uh, we looked at say, the, the, the work of the Harvard School is very much interested in the power hypothesis mm. and other kinds of things that kind of identify what we do in North America. Um, so uh, we, we continue with this symposium series. We did uh, just back in September. This time it was about focusing on the, the writing of Apocrypha um, from antiquity, so early papyri up until the modern period where we touched on Gospel Jesus' wife. And those papers will be out in about a year. And um, 
we, we're now moving from doing this Your Christian Apocryphal Symposium to, to doing biannual meetings of this new group we've formed, the North American Society for the Study of Christian Apocryphal Literature, um, which I encourage anyone who's interested in the material to, to sign up for. It's, um, it's just, you just go to the website nascal.com and you can sign up for, in the, for membership. It's free. And the idea of it is to, uh, to help bring people together who study these, this material and see who else is working on it and perhaps begin to collaborate. And we are looking towards um, uh, some collaborative projects like uh, an online bibliography, uh, an open access journal, and some other things. But these are just, we're just getting started on this. But the more people we get into the group, the better we can use all that, uh, harness all that energy towards um, uh, interesting projects. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. great. Um, are there are there any things maybe coming down the pipe for you, or um, other maybe small publications or larger book projects that that are coming down, or or, or want to see kind of coming out of kind of the the symposiums, further symposiums that you guys will be doing? Um, not so much out of the symposium right now, because I'm beyond what I just said about the the group. Um, what I worked on for my uh, dissertation many years ago was the Infancy Gospel of Thomas, and I worked on Greek, the Greek manuscript tradition of that, and came up with this this uh, very expensive critical edition um, that no one will ever read. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now I'm looking at the Syriac tradition, so I'm finishing up. Um, putting together a critical edition of that material. And it really, yeah, it hasn't really been looked at for over a hundred years. And and there's, there's about 20 or so manuscripts that are unpublished, so I'm trying to throw all those together into an edition. And the Syriac tradition is very important because it uh, it preserves the form of the Invisible Gospel of Thomas in a... Uh, well, sorry, the text of the Invisible Gospel of Thomas in a form that's more original than the Greek one, which most people are aware of. So, so more attention to the Syriac one will hopefully give people a sense of what this text actually was like closer to the time of its composition. Yeah, no, no, just really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, maybe if we can just wrap up with one final question. And because uh, um, one of the things we were trying to do is trying to help and encourage maybe master level students, MA students, PhD students, even just the junior scholar that maybe has his PhD still trying to gain a, maybe a scholar identity or trying to make his way through the uh, him or her through the, the, the academy. Maybe if you had a few students that were just sitting before you, they had their ear open to you, what, what type of advice would you give them or leave them with, um, uh, you know, for, for them? Um, well, I, I would encourage uh, New Testament, budding New Testament scholars to, to get a um, a good background in, in apocryphal texts as much as possible. Um, you know, orthodoxy defined itself to some extent against her, her, what they called heretical groups. So knowing what these her other groups believed uh, helps to understand what became the canonical material. So particularly the early material like Gospel of Thomas and so on. So if you um, and many of our New Testament introductory books now incorporate that. Like I use Bart Ehrman's book. And he talks quite a bit about Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter, and so on. So it seems to be part of the um, the arsenal of, of New Testament scholars now to, 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 to know some of that material. Um, um, if you're interested in looking towards Christian Apocrypha as a specific pursuit, there's lots, still lots of texts out there that, that need to be um, 
examined and translated and been, been translated into English. Hmm. And one of the interesting things that are going on in our field now is, is, is a focus on Apocrypha post-Constantine when you're starting to construct the Christian church and institute these festivals and so on. And we have a large body of material from that time period that just hasn't been looked at very much. Um, when it comes to there is a bit of a problem if you want to be a New Testament scholar and you, you focus too much on Apocrypha. Because then when you start to go out in the job market, you have to you get the questions of, well, what are you, a New Testament scholar or a patristic scholar? Yeah. And yeah. some places understand that very well. I know I went for one job interview where they, they didn't quite get why I was applying for a New Testament job. But I'm a New Testament scholar with all the skills of that. Mm. But I like to study or publish on Apocryphal texts. Mm. And where I am now, they, they really understood that. So it's a bit, you always have to keep that in mind about whatever you do it affects how you will be perceived on the job market and where you might want to go and if they will understand this interesting non canonical text or not. Um, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that, that speaks to us very well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. we know exactly that feeling. And, uh, and yeah, we're really encouraged by the work of NASCAL. And, and, uh, and personally speaking, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going in and joining that group. And I hope our listeners as well will jump on board with that and get involved with, with that effort. It sounds like there's a, a kindred spirit there. So we, we're really excited about that. And it's free. Yeah. So there's no dues. Students can, love to hear that word. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. great, Tony. We definitely appreciate you joining us just yeah. real briefly here uh, here today and just appreciate your work and what you're doing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, take care. Us. See you, you next time. Okay.